This is Scott Richmond, the director for New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. As we approach International Holocaust Remembrance Day on January 27th, we not only remember the victims, but we also honor the survivors, some of the youngest of whom are still with us and continue to bear witness to the horrors of that period. Many years ago, the Hidden Children Foundation was created to bring together these young survivors. And for more than 30 years, it has been an integral part of ADL. It is not well known, and I'm honored to devote a few minutes to discussing the important work of this organization. My guest is Rochelle Goldstein. She is the co-chair of the Hidden Child Foundation. Welcome, Rochelle, too, from the front lines. Thank you for having me. Uh, let me start by first asking, what is a hidden child in terms of the work of the Hidden Child Foundation? Okay, well, at the beginning, it was understood that the term referred to a Jewish child who, during World War II, hid from the Germans, either physically or under false papers, and in both cases, with or without their parents. But uh, we quickly saw that all Jewish children under German control were in the same boat, and it made little difference where we sat on that boat. So early on, we welcomed those who fled before the war, those who, for instance, went to the U.S., England, Shanghai, the Philippines, and also those who fled from Eastern European countries to the Soviet Union and wound up in Siberia, Uzbekistan, and other stands. And the, la the latter group, by the way, consists of the largest number of Holocaust survivors, yet uh, their stories are the least known. Uh, so also, we, we, were quick, we were quickly joined by a few teenagers who survived the labor and concentration camps. So you might say we're... we're <laughs> We were just we were hidden children and child survivors. You were one of those hidden children, correct? Yes, yes. I was hidden away from my parents in Belgium for two and a half years, from the age of uh, under three to almost five and a half. Now, you and I spoke before. Right. And you explained to me that this term hidden child was completely new to you when you encountered it in the 1980s. There had not really been a term to refer to people like you before, at least as far as you knew. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, uh, neither my parents nor I thought of ourselves as survivors. Uh, my parents uh, survived in their own apartment during the war. Uh, they remained hidden the entire war. So when we were in Brussels at the end of the war, uh, and when camp survivors came by and told us their horrific stories, ours seemed uh, insignificant by comparison. So we locked up our memories in the deep recesses of our minds and never wanted to tell or to be asked about them. Uh, one of my earliest post-war memories is of being taken from one doctor to another because I was malnourished and had a severe case of rickets. And each time we went to a new doctor, my mother would tell each one that I was a war child. And this embarrassed me. I just wanted to be uh, an ordinary kid, just like my schoolmates. 
yet uh, I always felt very different from my peers. Uh, so when I heard the term hidden child and, other, and met uh, so many others like me, it was quite a revelation to learn that I had a place in this history. You even spoke to me about the fact that you felt like your, your childhood was stolen. Uh, I remember you telling me that, like, you, you really did feel very different from the other children. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, I was far more serious than the other kids. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I came to the U.S., uh, most kids uh, seemed silly to me. But on the other hand, I, I sort of was envious of that. I wished I could have been as silly. So I, I guess that with the hidden children uh, in middle age, in the 1980s and early 1990s, it was time for them to have their own organization. So the Hidden Child Foundation was founded. Tell us about some of the activities of the organization. Our most important activity right now is gathering with other hidden children, and this uh, has been a, a great loss over the past two years. Uh, beside the entertainment aspect of our get-togethers, our members like to sit together by country of origin and speak their native languages. So I'm sure they miss that, but we hope to resume at some point later this year. Uh, even before the pandemic, our Speakers Bureau was barely active. Uh, there was little demand, and our roster of speakers has sadly been drastically reduced but we do get an occasional request. Uh, we still try to help members who have various problems. My co-director, Carla Lessing, is a social worker, and she's just wonderful at this. Uh, we still respond to requests from historians. Uh, just this week, I sent information about seven survivors hiding places throughout Europe. One of the uh, very interesting things that you had done for many years was searches. Uh, where you would help child survivors search for their family or search for the people who had hidden them. I thought that was particularly interesting. Yeah, well, we've been, we did that over a period of quite a few years, and uh, that was interesting because uh, we did have many successes. Uh, one woman who, from Scotland even, uh, found family that she didn't know about, and uh, so we, we've had quite, quite a few successes. I know that it didn't start out as part of ADL, but it quickly came under ADL's wing 30 years ago and has been there ever since, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, we became part of ADL uh, at our first gathering in 1991 after ADL helped us to organize this uh, event. Uh, of course, it helped immensely that Abraham Foxman was one of us. Uh, prior to that, in the late 1980s, uh, Dr. Judith Kestenberg, the noted child psychologist, had convened a small group of hidden children who met at her Upper West Side apartment. Uh, Dr. Kestenberg is known for her uh, now digitized collection of 1,500 interviews with child survivors. You only have a couple minutes left, and I just want to make sure you have a chance to uh, tell your story. How did you survive the war? 
Okay, just before my third birthday in late spring of 1942, I, along with my brother and two cousins, were taken to a Protestant orphanage in Uccle, Belgium. Uh, because my brother and cousins were with me, it, it felt almost like a continuation of my everyday life. I just thought uh, children live with parents for a while, and then they, they all go to a place called orphanage. Uh, the people who cared for us were kind. My own crib. Yeah, that, that's a, a wonderful note to go out with. The, the idea that, that you were saved in this way and that these people were kind to you. So thank you so right. much, Rochelle, for, for all you've done for so many years for your fellow child survivors and, and for uh, the important lessons that those survivors have to tell us. And, and thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. And, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good.